Welcome to The Other Side of 40. My name is April Grant, and I'm here to help women make positive changes with their lives after the age of 40. Let The Other Side of 40 become your community to find inspiration and support to start the next chapter of your life. Welcome to another week of The Other Side of 40. This week, we have Cherie Spigner, and she is the witty, sassy host of the Leader and Lover podcast. She is an executive in the medical device industry, and is and it's an industry she is very passionate about. Like many other executive Black women, Cherie has to wear the cape of an employee, grad student, single mother, provider, lover, entrepreneur, and friend. She has done everything from run for school board and run a business helping student athletes qualify for scholarships. Woo woo. She, like other powerful executives, has learned the delicate balance of navigating spaces where she is the only. Unfortunately, she has not always successfully navigated relationships. That was until she did her soul search and inner work. Meditation and a positive mindset are at the root of her confidence, positivity, and optimism. She is surrounded by a circle of excellence, powerful Black women who have defined what having it mean, having it all means to them. Her positive words empower and motivate others. She is an agent for change and is creating a platform to showcase the magic of Black women and Black love. That is the force behind the Leader and Lover podcast. During the Leader and Lover podcast, Cherie will demystify the negative trope that Black women can't have it all and have it all with style, grace, and class. So welcome. That was a Oh, thank bio. you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Try to do something a little different, right? I can tell you where I went to school and that I graduated with the master's in leadership yes. and organizational development, but is that fun? Mm-mm. <laughs> Not really. And it doesn't, it doesn't tell, it doesn't tell the audience anything about you because mm-hmm. you could rattle off a bunch of awards and pat on the backs, but who are you? And that's what we get to find out. Yeah. We're going to start with um, your awakening moment. So tell us about it. I've had several, okay. but the one that probably really got me on a certain journey was the one where I had to realize what I was doing that was holding me back. And what I mean by that is that I had been told for years, oh, you've got such good energy. You're so dynamic. You're so smart. You command a room. Um, You're so intelligent. You could do anything. But for me, I wasn't living that life. I was living, I was okay in my job. It was something that I was used to, I was familiar with. Um, I had been in a long-term relationship. I kind of knew it wasn't going anywhere, but was holding on to it for a multitude of reasons. I was raising my children who they were doing very well. My children ended up being like, you know, nationally ranked track stars and and represented the U.S. Um, But I was kind of like their mom. But there was nothing that I was doing to like make a mark for myself. Like who was Cherie? And I said, there's something going on that I am not aware. I'm not seeing it about myself. And I got a professional coach Yeah. and she, her whole premise was around tapping the genius that's within you. Oh, and we started doing work 
And I mean, the, from the first day, like I popped on the call, I was a couple minutes late. Um, I can talk my way out of almost anything. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I got all this stuff going on, da, 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 you know, and being fun, being, you know, uh, cheerful and my vivacious self. And normally people are like, oh, okay, no problem. So glad you're here. She was like, no, <laughs> if you 30 seconds late, I won't be on the call and you will pay your hourly rate. Oh, wow. And so just that alone just helped me be accountable in a different way than I had historically been. I learned how to kind of navigate things so that they would fit what I needed them to fit versus fitting mm-hmm. into something or stretching myself. And so that work was really, really important. Just even that accountability piece. The other couple of things was I had held some resentment um, for let me take a step back. I had not had successful relationships. And I think I attributed that in some way to my father. I love my father to death. Mm -hmm. My father had a drug problem at a point um, in my life. And there are moments where as you know, when you're not living in the home with your parent, he disappointed me. And so I attributed some of that to him. But what I recognized was that there were some dynamics with even my mother. Um, we talk about daddy issues, but we have parent issues. They're both <laughs> equally responsible for your upbringing oh, in most ways. And there were some things and some decisions. My mother was very strict. She was an academician. She was very religious. And all those things, I think I felt pressure and there was some resentment. And so I had to start dealing with that. And just my own feelings of... Um, not loving my mother the way I should, because my mother was actually an amazing parent and she was an amazing grandparent. And that's what my coach, she said, okay, so what, what are you complaining about? She seemed to raise you phenomenally. Right. Um, you say your grand, her grandkids, your kids have the best grandmother in the world. So help us understand, help me understand what you're really upset about. And oh, just okay. getting really clear with myself and understanding maybe I had some resentment with how she raised me just to be, you know, she was tough on me and she always wanted me to excel. And she was very strict with religion and that was embarrassing. So just being able to like verbalize some of those things and not be ashamed about it and kind of own it. And that helped me to bridge so much of a gap with me and my mother, but I can't let my dad off the hook. I also had had just continual relationships of infidelity where men were not faithful. And what I recognized in the work with her was that I was looking at my father's behavior as familiar, as comfortable, as something I knew because when he was when he was married to my stepmother, he would pick me up and I would be his alibi. Or I just saw his womanizing type behavior. And because of that, that behavior it. was absolutely, I absolutely did. So once I recognized that, like I can love my father without loving his behavior. Oh, definitely. Then I completely, it just kind of shifted my paradigm. I started meditating because I'm kind of high achieving, high thinking all the time. I would be the kind that would wake up at two in the morning and say, did I send out that email? And I would literally get up, log on, make sure, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh man! And I had to completely slow myself all the way down and just get real quiet with myself, get really introspective and just really like understand who I was, what my gifts even were. People were saying I had a gift, but I really didn't know what they were. And that was just a pivotal time for me. And from that, my life trajectory just changed substantially. One was just coming to peace with myself. Two, coming to peace with my parents, because how can you really be living life when you had good parents and you're not at peace with them? Um, And three, just um, 
coming to terms and even forgiving men that had come in my life because some of that I was bringing into, I was bringing into the relationship. I was attracting that because I hadn't dealt with certain issues. So those components were like my awakening moment. And they were the things that shifted my trajectory. My goodness. Okay. So all this stemmed from a coach, uh, uh, apparently a very good coach that not only held you accountable, but brought you to your zone of genius, which apparently was her skill set and she managed to do it. Um, but I relate in so many, so many ways to what you say. Um, and the, well, I don't have the philandering father, but I had a father who was very disappointing. Um, he's still disappointing. Um, <laughs> and I, I say that in a very uh, realistic type of way. I'm not, I, although my husband accuses me very much of using hyper, hyperbole, um, our, our connections are, are very limited because it, he, he'll say something very positive and then he'll turn negative. And then I'm all of a sudden on a defensive for like no reason. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how did we get here? And I don't want to do this. <laughs> so right. learning to love him just for like, you know what? He's going to be the dad that calls you three times a year and says, hi, how are you doing? And that's it. <laughs> and that's letting him be him. Right. And, and, and taking the pieces him. of him that are positive and just moving on. And just moving on. And mm -hmm. then with the, the mom, the, and that's harder. It is it is harder with the mom because for my mom, she was a single mother. And for a long time, she got remarried when I was almost 10. And then things changed. But, you know, she was my mom, not the stepdad. Stepdad wasn't my right. dad. Right. I still had a dad. So, you know, stepdad was around and around often, obviously. But, you know, I wanted more from her and she was she wasn't an academic uh academic but she expected a lot from me um she did not allow me to even drop in my grades the slightest um i got a a b on a progress report once and she her response to that was i'll pull you from everything if i see another b on any of your report cards wow yeah and so yeah it was a lot of pressure but I relate mm -hmm. to your story. I say that to say that I relate to it because a lot of things I do, especially before this podcast, I would work comfortably in my box because I would find things that fit my skill set. Yep. And what was comfortable, right? What was comfortable, right. And I didn't want to do what more was familiar, like, what was consistent, yep. what didn't stretch you too far. Yep. And I didn't have to, you know, people could just pat me on the back for me being me without doing much more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, yay, I like this. Except for um, this is this is the same thing with, uh, you know, you were saying that uh, people saw more in me because they saw a bunch of things. They saw a lot of me and the things that I did and they could see where I could be, but I wasn't doing any of those things. And I really had to take a step aside and a step back and decide what I need to do. I mean, even with this podcast, it's like, on one hand, it is fun. And right now it's a hobby. But on the other hand, I do want to make it a business, which means I'm going to have to stretch and work and make it a business and not just say, hey, you know, I did it. It's good. 
it's getting downloads, people are listening, but you know, it's good. And instead of just allowing for that to stretch and take it to the next step. So now yep. that you, I said a little bit about myself, um, <laughs> back to you. So what did that lead you into? What all you got yeah. information, where did that, where did you go from there? Well, interestingly enough, another thing that had happened, although it was transformational, but I don't think I recognized its impact until later. I also am a breast cancer survivor. So a couple of years prior to that, I had had a double mastectomy and again, you know, recovered from, from breast cancer. And so I think the combination of things happening in, in, in somewhat of a close time frame started to really impact me. So um, I went had a mass went into a master's program. I recognized that again, just to stretching me right and like getting out of my comfort zone and like let me get some additional education because I may want to co- climb the career ladder. I may want to switch industries, but you know I need to be edu- have some additional education in my mind um, to prepare me to to look attractive. So. In my master's program, it was about leadership and their philosophy was you can't lead well unless you know who you are. Okay. In that, we did a lot of value assessments. We did a lot of MBTI type um, um, coursework so that we understood who we were. I realized- MB- oh, what no, I can, was, you, can you tell us what MBTI stands for? It's, I know it's the first part is Myers-Briggs, but okay. it's some type of test. And okay. it's like personality tests, mm-hmm. like where your strengths are you know, those types of tests. And so I always knew I was a driver, overachiever, you know, that person. Mm -hmm. But what my other, what another value system, I had not really done any work on my value system. And what my value system was, was into security. Um, Things that were familiar, things that felt that I did kind of routine. So back to that, not stretching myself too far out of what was um, familiar to me, but it's also what was keeping me in relationships work, professional, any other, otherwise, you know, because it was like, I knew who that person was. They may not have been the best person, but I knew who they were and they were comfortable to me. So that work again, started transforming me. I started realizing like how many opportunities I was losing by not leaping, not leaving the company I worked for, even though I was no longer inspired by the work, not doing certain things. And so I finished that program And I was like, you know what? I am not inspired by the work that I'm doing. And I separated from that company and didn't work for about six months. But during that time, just traveled, just really took some time for myself and ended up getting into the medical device industry. Something that is very white male dominated. They usually get athletes out of you know college. I mean, I was a 45-ish year old black woman. It was like my second career, but there were definitely, the, the industry was changing and there definitely was a skill set that I had that was attractive to them. Went to the interview, killed it, got in the business and ended up because because of that, that move, moving from the Bay Area in California, place oh. that I'd been my whole life, yeah. everybody I knew was there, moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to oh, work wow. with a large orthopedic institution in Philadelphia. And it seemed like that just ch- continued to change and shift my trajectory. Did very, very well in my, in my, um, And the work that I did did very well with my surgeons. Um, another company came to me to, uh, consider opportunity in management, got into management, managed the Northeast, then half the country. Um, now I'm building teams. I mean, so just really, really flourished. Wow. Got my social circle really established. 
because, you know, like the bandaid had been taken off. And it's not like I'm, it's not like I don't do things. Like I travel the world. I had done all those things, mm-hmm. but I always did it with my friends and the people that I was comfortable with and, you know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. This required me to just be out, create a social circle for myself before I knew everyone in the area that I lived in, or my friends were super outgoing. So I could kind of ride behind them and not really say anything. And, you know, I just was able to being in a different, a new place. You're, you're just kind of forced to create your path. And I created a really amazing path. Um, and one that led me to eventually meeting my fiance. So at the age of 50, I met the man of my life, you know, and, thinking, and not so much that like life after 40, you can't meet anyone. But I know that there are women who believe that at a certain point in their lives that they have come to a place of peace with being single. Oh, and you're speaking to a lot of people out there right now. (laughs) Yeah. And while there were definitely um, times when I was comfortable and I was complete with myself, because what, what, what that coaching did for me was took me on this journey of self-healing, self-love, like shadow work, mirror work. Like I totally became introspective. I totally did a bunch of work on myself. Black, we, we need to do more of that. We yes. really do. Um, times, you know, it's, it's transformed me from being like a definitive, um, you know, someone who needed to prove myself right. I was always defending myself. It took me from that person to like helping people. I don't need validation from other people. I don't need external validation. I don't need to win every argument. I don't need to defend myself. I don't, you know, it just, it just put me at a place of ease and peace and loving myself and just not caring what other people thought about me and not in an arrogant way, but just in a very, I'm comfortable with myself way. And so, so, Oh, mm -hmm. nope. Go ahead. How did you find this, this coach? Like, what did you, I mean, it sounds like for the first time, like you just went out there, you found someone and she was the right fit for you. So what she was, what method did you use to find her? You know, I don't even, I think someone referred me to her. I just started letting people know I was looking for a coach. Um, there's a okay. program called Landmark. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. she had been, she had done some Landmark work um, and it worked with them, but she was not, she was no longer a Landmark coach. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's, you know, the Bay Area, we, you know, we kind of hippies. And <laughs> so there's always somebody that can refer you to someone to do that kind of work. And, <laughs> but it opened my mind and opened my eyes up to that because we're not big on, therapy and we're not big on mental health and we're not big on emotional, um, stability and health. And so it just opened me up completely. Yeah. I mean, I, I say my, my hashtag that I go around, I go, my hashtag therapy works. Um, (laughs) it does, (laughs) because you know, a lot of people ask a lot of questions about how they fix this or do this. And I'm like, go to therapy. Like 90% of those questions will be answered. If you just went to therapy Mm -hmm. and worked it out with somebody, because yeah, there's a lot of projection of your issues on other people, like what they do for me, like relationships were never a problem. Like I've had phenomenal relationships. All of them have been great. And when I realized they weren't for me, I didn't have any problem saying goodbye. And people are like, well, that's cold. I was like, but why am I staying in the relationship? If I know in the long term, I'm not going to be happy. So, and it's not that that person is a bad guy. That bad person's fine. They're very nice. And I'm happy. Just not for you. They're just not a compatible match for me. Yeah. And we take it as if we leave someone, that means one of us did something wrong. And it's like, 
No, no one did anything wrong. They actually did not do anything wrong. They just were not a match for me. And I saw that the writing on the wall and I left. And I respect people that can do that. I've gotten to that. I've evolved to that now, but that wasn't me. Like I was telling you, I was in long-term relationships and wouldn't break up because of all these needs for comfort and security and all that stuff. And so, um, and what are people going to think? And why we look like this great couple? And well, I just yeah. think about it. Right. Oh man. Right. I mean, I heard, yeah. I've heard that so many times. Well, I can't leave them because so-and-so and such and such is going to say such as my mom going to be calling me my sister-in-law. I'm like, and I was, mm. they can't, they're not going to live your life. Exactly. They're not in your house upset, bothered, annoyed about what's going on. So Exactly. But it takes a lot of people some time to get there. You know, no, and I was one of those people. Definitely. I I'm not I'm not judging anyone for taking the time because it's hard because you have to break that mental cycle just yes. like your coach helped you. And yep, you have to unlearn some things. Oh, unlearning, unlearning. And <laughs> we talk a lot about unlearning on here too because some of the things we've been taught just are not good or healthy. I mean, I've had people, I've heard stories, obviously, like I said, not myself, um, tell me they were in relationships. And when they went to go consult a family member that the response was, at least he doesn't hit you. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. wow, okay. So physical abuse is where, where we draw the line, but not really. We don't really draw the line at physical abuse. It's well- But that's, but that's the baseline, right? But yeah. no, it's okay for them to hit you. It's just you're lucky that he doesn't. Like that's <laughs> acceptable that it's he lays his hand on you occasionally. But yep. the fact that he doesn't, you should be grateful. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Not even no, that. definitely, absolutely. So, so yeah, so you know, I when you talk about life after forty, I have lived a good life. I lived a really great life up to 40, but it yeah. feels like 40 to 51 has been amazing. <laughs> yes. So tell us how you, oh, okay. So you, you moved from the Bay area. So I went to UC Davis for law school. So I have my okay. experience up there in that, you know, kind of Bay area adjacent. Um, yeah. I'm <laughs> Oakland. Oakland, Oakland, Oakland. So um, yeah, I'm real Bay area. <laughs> yeah. No, one of my friends still lives in Oakland right now. So, um, I'm her child's godmother. Um, and then you picked up and moved by yourself across the country. Now, one thing you said in your bio was medical devices is really, it's something that's passionate, that you're passionate about. Can you tell I us am. more about that? Why? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say that I'm just so passionate about the work I do because I recognize that I got really complacent in my old space. And so now it's always at the forefront of my mind. I need to be passionate about what I do every day. So what I appreciate is that we, you know, when you have your own health scare, so that being a hospital and, you know, have a double mastectomy, I think health takes on a, a much more um, front stage uh, place in your life. And so for me to know that the instrumentation and the, um, the, the joints that we use with our patients, it helps give them pain relief. It helps give them mobility. It helps give them a better quality of life. And I just really appreciate that in my workspace, the place that I go every day, the place that I get paid to do something is impactful. And I feel like it's a way that I'm able to still give back. The other reason why I'm really, really passionate about it is because of all the recent events with George Floyd and just Black Lives Matter and more, um, 
I guess, attention towards disparities in the healthcare industry, I'm able to be in a, in a very unique position as a Black woman to have be a voice for those people that are underrepresented in healthcare to help influence and make different decisions because I have my grandmother who is afraid of X, Y, or Z, or had this experience that I can relate and I can sit at an executive roundtable of, I can give input directly to people who are making decisions as it pertains to healthcare. So yes, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about the work that I do, the space that I'm in, um, and hope to continue making impact in it. Wonderful. And so now tell us how you met your fiance. Yeah. So, um, when I got to Philadelphia, it's so interesting. I keep telling my girlfriends on the West Coast, come east. Men want to men want to date. They want to get married on the East Coast. West Coast, they got too much going on. You know, there's too much sun and fun out there. <laughs> right. And, and you know, and really it's a mindset thing, right? So if you yeah. think that there's nothing in the West Coast, then there's only nothing in the West Coast. And you know, I went to the East Coast with such an open mindset, met some great men, had some great relationships. Um but I had COVID, COVID started okay. and I had never dated online. Dating online had a stigma. At least I thought people were crazy. Um, <laughs> dating, on, I, I traveled all the time. So I met people, I was social. So I just didn't feel the need to date online. I had people that give me horror stories of dick pics and ghosting. And, you know, so it just was <laughs> nothing that I felt like I needed to do, but we were at home in COVID and I was like, oh, well, heck I'm, single. <laughs> I'm going to go online just to, because at first, when we first shut down, like companies were trying to re-engineer and they were trying to pivot. And mm -hmm. so there weren't a lot of things that, you know, we were doing. I mean, we ultimately ended up going totally virtual, which was a great experience too. But I just had a little bit more time on my hands and I travel 80% of the time. So no longer am I two hours ahead to get to an airport, traveling in traffic, getting, you know, so my day fit into a real like eight hour day. <laughs> like, it was like, no more six in the morning to eight at night. So I just had more time on my hands. So yeah. went online, had zero expectations. Just, I was going to have fun. I was going to meet people. I was going to chat while we were in COVID and then I was going to move on. You know, really, I, I just had not a lot of expectations, but I'm always super positive. I'm always open to what the next thing is and what's going to happen. And that's how I went online. Ended up meeting great, great, great people. And one of them was my fiance. Um, dated several people during that time. He always wants me to tell people. And I was not sleeping with them. <laughs> Just because you date people does not mean you have to sleep with them. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very well aware of that practice. <laughs> However, you know, people think, well, she was Those dating. are not synonymous. They're not synonymous. <laughs> exactly. You can, you can date a bunch of people and not have sex with any of them ever. <laughs> any of them. Any of them. And as a matter of fact, I believe that because I was dating multiple people, it really helped our relationship because I knew from the beginning, I really felt connected to him. Mm -hmm. um, handsome, smart, um, successful. I just was connected to him. And my old me would have been the normal, powerful executive woman, you know, not, not allowing him to leave, not allowing a man to be a man, but kind of pushing you know, my agenda. And yeah. because I had other people to, you know, take my mind off of him, I was able to allow him to come into my world. And I think that was the, the dynamic shift and, or times when I didn't hear from him, I wasn't blowing him up 
because I was out on a date with somebody else. So, hey, you're out. I'm out. It's all good. Um, And so met him online and we talked probably for about two months because at that time we really didn't know what COVID was and people right. were dying and we were all scared and we were literally, sh- you know, sheltering in yeah. place. And, and yeah. he's in New Jersey and I was in Pennsylvania. So the Northeast had got hit really bad. So we were mm-hmm. locked down. So we, we did not, we met late March or early April and um, we FaceTimed, we video chatted, we had a little virtual dates, but mm-hmm. we didn't see each other. Um, we saw, we finally got a little bit of leeway and we decided to have a date in person and he kept saying I want to wear a suit and I want to go to a restaurant so I was like okay well I had my chef come into my house and I had him convert my house into a restaurant I had a musician come in we had like floating candles and a menu and a server and all kinds of stuff and um, I said so wear your suit Uh, he didn't know what to expect and then he came in and we had an amazing date and we pretty much been inseparable since. I mean, I definitely had to, you know, break some hearts, not break hearts, but (laughs) you might've broken some hearts. (laughs) Well, you know, I met such great people. They were all like, good for you. He's got a good one. You know, you deserve it. I mean, so I really met some really quality guys. And so I always want to dispel misnomers about black men. Um, We definitely have our community issues, but there are some amazing black men out in the world. I keep telling people they, you know, I, I get it all the time with my friends are like, where are the black men? I was like, they're there. They're there. Black men are looking for you guys. Y'all don't want to open your eyes to each other. I can't make you. Exactly. Exactly. They are out there because I dated quite a few of them. And um, so May 22nd was our first date. We pretty much have been inseparable ever since. He um, he proposed on New Year's and we're getting married May 22nd of this year. Wow. That is amazing. That that is such a story. And but so I think our COVID love affair, <laughs> your, COVID, your COVID love affair. But I always think it's funny because I was on probably the beginning end of online dating and I fell into it like I wasn't trying to. Um, I didn't do, I, I, I piped a little bit of eHarmony and I kind of liked eHarmony because a lot of people find it a lot because you have to answer all these questions, but I okay. kind of liked it because then that meant someone cared enough to answer all those questions. Like that's how much they were, they were serious about finding that partner because they wanted to answer all those questions. But I actually found my husband, we met through Black Planet. I don't know ah, if you remember that website. I do. My dad <laughs> used to be on it. Yes, I do. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, and it just started, he was not local. So the same, farther away. So I was at UC Davis and he was in Michigan. And so- Oh my goodness. It, yeah, we never, I never even considered at that time when we started that it would actually become anything. Cause I was like, I'm not moving to Michigan. And he's like, well, I'm not from Michigan. I'm from Florida. I was like, yeah, I'm not going there either. <laughs> now, where are you originally from? I'm actually from LA. So, oh, okay. I went to UCLA. So, okay. Oh, so it. did I. So did I. Okay. Undergrad. That's where I got yep. my undergrad degree. Yep. Um, so yeah, graduate 2001. Um, I love my alma mater. I've been loving the uh, gymnastics routines they've been putting out lately. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so I'm from LA. And so I knew after Davis, I was going to go back home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing out. You know what? I'm not going to Michigan. I'm not going to Florida. I'm not coming to the East. <laughs> um, and then he ended up coming out for an internship 
at uh, aer he's an aerospace engineer, and so he got an internship at one of the companies, and then basically never went home. <laughs> I mean, there's more to that story, but basically never went home. Okay, and okay. We've been together 18 years now. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. And out of all my friends, I'm probably the least likely to have stayed in a relationship a long time because when I did date at 18 and 19, I was the person who always dated multiple people. And people are like, why are you dating? You're, you know, are the whole thing, oh, you're sleeping with them. Why would I have to sleep? I don't have to sleep with them. Why do mm -hmm. I have to sleep with them? We are going to the movies down the street. And then he drops me off and I have roommates. And I don't go to his place. Like, where is this all this sex happening? Um, no. I don't even know where it's happening. So, and I actually enjoyed it for exactly what you said because you didn't get serious or you didn't feel committed or serious about someone until you were serious about them. Yeah, no, it definitely. Wasn't an, it wasn't an attachment just because you were lonely or bored or you know you felt comfortable around them. It was real so when i got into real relationships it was because i was like okay out of all these guys i really actually like spending time with you i want to spend more time with you than you know five minutes you know, right 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 so i'm a big promote proponent of dating multiple people and and you can still date with the intention of marriage that doesn't stop you absolutely absolutely and you know and i was going to say that because i was doing some research about because i'm writing a book and it was going to start with my whole dating online piece but mm -hmm. then i'm like i need to go to my whole journey so um you know just getting there but people that get married from dating online stay married longer and i can oh, really? see that because our conversations were much more, you know, robust and some of it had to do with COVID, but, you know, at the time we saw, finally saw each other, I hadn't gotten my eyebrows arched, but, you know, I wear, my hair is natural, but I still go to a shop and kind of get my curls done. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't been able to do any of that, <laughs> you know, so he definitely saw me a, a, a bit more raw than he would have seen me. There were times when we had calls and I didn't have any makeup on. So not that you intentionally send your representative, but you definitely send your best self when you're normally dating and you're, mm -hmm. you know, we're going out on a date and I'm getting all together, you know, so COVID just helped us be like very, very vulnerable and authentic with each other from the very beginning. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that just was a really great, great, great foundation. And then once we started being together all the time, I mean, if you can be together during COVID and I get on each other's nerves, You've accomplished something. <laughs> I, I'll agree. I'm actually surprised that me and my husband haven't had many problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so two so, people who don't even know each other and, mm -hmm. you know, but we have worked it out. So um, mm -hmm. I love it. And also it, it reminded me as I reflect on that 10 year relationship, it reminded me that when men want something, they, they let it, you know, and they go after it and all this waiting all these years. And not that people haven't had successful relationships after that, but still all this waiting all these years is not necessary. Right. Okay. I was very clear and very intentional with what my goals were. And he did not even have to line with that. And my message mm -hmm. to him was, Hey, I want to get married not necessarily to you. So don't get nervous, but I do want to get married and I'm dating multiple people. And so if you, if you too want to get married, you're at the top of the priority list. And if you don't, <laughs> you're just at the bottom of the priority list. And, you know? and, and, and that is it. And so it just bred a different, you know, confidence in me. And, um, ultimately, you know, we, we just were able to be honest and transparent with each other. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's something that online dating does as well, especially in a time like COVID when you can't see each other because it forces you to have those conversations that go deeper than, you know, what do you do on Friday night? You know, right. Right. <laughs> because you, right. You, you can really be swept up in someone's looks and the physical attraction. Yes, 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 yes. So, <laughs> Not the mental so, attraction. So. so, yeah. So, you know, all this has happened post 40. And that's <laughs> so, amazing. So tell us about mm -hmm. this book you're writing. So really, it's just chronicling all these experiences. And, you know, the it will culminate with obviously my marriage. Um, we were st I started it as I was going to do just kind of a little ebook or a little coffee mm -hmm. book about dating online. And it was going to be kind of funny. And I was going to interview all the guys and give my experiences. But I was just like, you know what, I need to share more because it wasn't like I just started dating online. There was a journey. There was a journey from being in an abusive marriage when I was young, being a single parent, you know, there was just a journey of all these things that I learned along the way, things that I applied, work that I had to do with myself, trauma that I had to address, mm -hmm. issues with myself that I had to deal with, being accountable with myself. And as long as we're looking outward and we're projecting on others, we're never fixing what's in us. We have to reveal it so that we can heal it. Um, and there was just so many years of me working on that to get to this place where I am completely complete yeah. with or without my fiance. And he doesn't like when I say that. And all I say is that I was complete by myself in a sense that I was not going to be in any relationship just because, you know, out of any desperation. So just very whole and very complete by myself where I could make a really good call on who was going to, you know, who I was going to do life with. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's about it's about my experience raising my children, my experience in the workplace. I've worked in both technology and now medical device, so very white male dominated environments where we are not seen, we are not heard, we have not been respected. Um, you know, we assimilate, we, uh, we, we do all this and how I even evolved in that space where, nope, I'm wearing my Afro. I am speaking how I need to speak. I'm mm -hmm. going to command and demand my respect. Um, I'm going to negotiate my salary so that it's commiserate with my colleagues, mm -hmm. you know, just, just all those things. So it's just, it's just my journey. Wow. And hopefully okay. it inspires somebody. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully someone, you know, listens to this podcast and starts following you. And then um, it sounds like your your book will come out after you get married. So yes. you got, we got a, got another year. You said May 20th. No, I'm getting to May 22nd. So oh, in 79 year. days. So like in, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like right now. Um, so, <laughs> so you're also busy planning a wedding. I am. Okay. All right. So COVID wedding, love it, love it. And the whole, yep. the whole, literally everything happened from beginning to the marriage all happened during the pandemic. Because for that, yeah, we Absolutely. won't be free. Vaccines won't be rolled out, they said, until the end of May. So that'd be after your marriage. Mm -hmm. so, all right. So this, this was fun. Um, is there anything you would like to tell the audience? Any way to follow you? Yeah, you can follow me. Just my name, Cherie, C-H-E-R-I underscore Spigner, S-P-I-G-N-E-R. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, the Leader and Lover podcast. We have an IG page. We have a Facebook page. And you can catch us on any of the podcast plan platforms. Oh, I didn't even ask. The, your podcast, Leader, the Leader and Lover, um, uh -huh. is there anything? What do you guys talk about? I mean, I so, have an idea, but... Yep. 
Yep. So I talk about my own experiences and then I interview executive um, black women and they we talk about their experiences, their journeys, how they juggle being a powerful executive in the workspace and then coming home and being a sensitive, loving wife, mother, girlfriend, um, daughter, you know, and how you know, there's so many conversations in the media about who black people are. And mm-hmm. it's rarely that we are whole, we are complete. We have good families. We have good husbands. We have good men we have healthy black women, there's always a negative connotation. So this is a platform for us to be celebrated and give us a voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So um, we're going to sign off now. Ladies, okay. Uh, give yourself grace and have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Other Side of 40. You can find us at our site, theothersideof40.com, and on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Other Side 40.